um, I just want to, again, just reiterate how exciting it is to come in um, this place with you guys, all of us together in the presence of God, just to lift Him up and, and to give Him glory. I want to thank the worship team for just setting the stage, setting the table uh, so appropriately for us to come and just sit and dine and to, and to, be, you know, to, to, to just reflect on this whole concept of uh, being, a follower and G- being a follower of Jesus, committing our lives to Him. We're in a series that we're starting today called Bold, and we're going to talk about what it means to be bold and, you know, and, 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 and challenge us to be bold and to encourage us to be bold. And so uh, as we begin to look at that today, we're going to, to take a, um, a, a snapshot, a look at when this boldness really um, started to appear, if, if I may, uh, in, the, in the Word of God. And, and last week we talked about an individual by the name of Peter, and we're going to pick up on him again because he was so instrumental and he's such a perfect illustration to use of an individual that really wasn't bold, or maybe was bold, but in the wrong context. And then when Jesus was with him, when they waited on that, the Spirit of God, remember Jesus said, I want you to stay here, I want you to wait because I'm going to give you a gift. And when the Spirit, my Spirit comes... Um, you're going to go and you're going to be witnesses into this world. Um, with that, I, I think you're going, well, you're going to see, but I think you would agree with me, there, there came with that this, this sense of boldness. I mean, these guys went out and they just was, was very bold. And, and, and lives were being changed. And, and it says in the Acts that, that God added to their number on a daily basis. As they went out and was bold about this movement, about, about this Jesus that, that came and he, he died and he rose again and, and, and they became very bold about this movement. Last week I was, as we talked about, um, kind of setting this up and, and talked about Peter a little bit. Um, one of the things, uh, actually when I went and sat down, one of the things that kind of came to my mind in regards to all this was, you know, I think of individuals like the first martyr, Stephen. Just looking at him, you know, I think it's in Acts chapter 6 where Stephen, uh, he was the first martyr for, the, uh, for this movement. And I think of individuals like that. And even down through church history, uh, when you just read about men and women that were bold for Jesus to the point to where they lost their lives physically. You read stories about individuals going and being burned alive and while they're being burned while they're there being strapped to wood and doused with gas or whatever so that they would burn, they're praising God. How many of you does that strike as, hmm, I don't know if I would want that? I mean, truthfully be known, right? I don't think anybody would say, man, I would just love that, you know? But there was this passion, this boldness. And, and they were willing to lay their lives down for this movement. And it, and it just when you look at this when you look at this whole this whole movement as it came you know in the early church in Acts and you just look at it you just see these lives being changed and so last week I was thinking about that and I was thinking about Stephen and I was thinking what would it be like if Stephen could come back okay come back in our day and walk through the doors right now and come up here and we'll put a microphone on him, which he would be used to, right? All the technology that we have. And he would speak to us. What would he say to us? What would he say to Element Church? Now, we could take two paths here. We could go off to this admonishment path, you know, where he might look at the church and say, wow, what in the world? You know, you know, with, you know admonish. But, but, uh, but I want to stay over here on this encouraging path. Because I think... 
there would be a time where maybe someone like a Stephen would come back and say, guys, this is worth dying for. This is worth laying your life down for. That Jesus is everything. Jesus is who changes lives. Jesus is who reaches down in and He literally makes things new as we just sang, right? He makes things new. He comes into the garbage and the depths and the bowels of hell of this world and He pulls people out of that and they're redeemed. They're changed. Their lives are radically changed. You and I know people that, that their lives were horrendous. They were full of addictions. They were full of all these habits and hang-ups and all this stuff. And you look at their life and you're thinking, that person is destined for hell. That person is literally probably an incarnation of a piece of hell. And then Jesus grabs a hold of a life that you would never dream could ever change. And He turns that life upside down. And that person becomes bold in their witness for Jesus Christ. Man, when I, read, when I hear people talk, and you know, given their story or whatever, how they've been changed for Jesus, it just, man, it just excites me so much. And now some of us, you know, and, and so I think Peter, I, I think Stephen would look at us and say, guys, keep, keep going. Keep striving. Don't get discouraged. Don't let your guard down. Don't give up. Don't just stand on the sidelines. Don't just be lethargic with this faith and this movement. Don't just, don't just sit back in a lawn chair waiting for Jesus to return. Fight for this movement. Press forward. Everything, everything weighs upon this. Be bold. Go into your world and be bold. Be witnesses. Share the love of Christ. Share the love of Christ that's in you with other individuals. Be prepared to see, understand, and know that everything has a divine appointment to it. That whoever comes in contact with you is a divine appointment that that person has been placed there by God so that they will hear something about Jesus, something about His love, something about His forgiveness, something about His grace, mercy, you name it. But continue on. Be bold. Don't be scared. Don't be fearful. Don't be lethargic. Don't just sit back, but be bold. I think it's what Stephen would say to us. And that would encourage me to say yes. There is, as we read in chapter 11 of Hebrews, a cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. Men and women that have laid their lives down for this movement. And we follow that. We stand on their shoulders. We follow their example. We follow their path. We follow where they've been so that we continue to advance the Gospel as well for our, from our love that we have in Jesus Christ. That's what we see in this, uh, this early church in Acts. We see them just becoming so bold. Dedicating their lives to it. If you would, I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 4. And I want to take a look at... Um, I want to take a look at one of these... Uh, one of these very early in, uh, instances where Peter and John have become bold. And, and essentially what happened, and kind of take a look at this account. Uh, in, in Acts uh, chapter 4, what we have here to, set the, to kind of set the picture, uh, Peter and John were being bold. They were going out with this movement of Jesus. They were preaching. They were teaching. Lives were being converted. And the... The or the uh, I, I guess you could say the church at that time in a sense the part that didn't get it they bring them in 
and they're, they're talking to them. They're talking to the council. They're getting held accountable for their actions and what the words that they say. I want you to follow along and I want you to listen to the instruction, uh, the, the, um, uh, the demands or whatever that this council is laying upon them. And it says this in the first verse. He says, And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and all the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were what? What were they doing? They were teaching the people and proclaiming what? Jesus. They were teaching and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and they put them in custody until the men, until, until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to, to, uh, came to about 5,000. On the next day, the rulers and the elders and the scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Ananias the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired. Now again, you've got this huge, probably maybe a circle, You've got the, the leadership. You've got the council. You've got these priestly, uh, the people that you've got these people that are the, in charge, and they pretty much surround them, and they put Peter and John on the on the on the block per se, and they begin to question them, and they begin to lay down their discontent with what they're doing, and and what they're going and 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 um, what they're going to do, what they're going to command them to do about it, and so they inquired, and they asked him this question. By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter replied, filled with the Holy Spirit power. I'm sorry. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. I love that part. Because Peter and John's being bold at this point, right? The council's asking them, whose name are you doing this in? Now, we live in that same type of world. Believe it or not, we live in the same type of world where people are pretty spiritual. People are spiritual. They're not spiritual towards Jesus. They're very hostile towards Jesus' name. In fact, there's a lot of things that we can proclaim in other people's names, Right? There's a lot of things that you could go into schools, you could go into businesses, you can go into all kinds of different environments and settings, and you can proclaim things in other people's names or other God's names, but when it comes down to that name Jesus, somehow it incites a lot of aggression, does it not? And Peter and John, Peter speaks up, and something very interesting is why he speaks up that we don't want to miss, and that's this. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he was very bold. And in fact, if we would take that word, the definition of bold is really burned or is born out of belief. It means what you believe is going to determine your behavior. What you truly believe determines your behavior. Now, some of us, we can scoff at that and say, "Eh, I don't know about that. Because there's some things that we do in our lives that we know may not be pleasing to God. But if you keep reducing it down, it's born out of, a, out of a certain belief. And that's hard to accept. 
If we truly believe, if we truly believe that something's displeasing to God and we love God with all of our hearts and all of our strengths and our minds and everything, we, we begin to look at those things and we begin to say, this can't be. And we need to change our belief system that says, I can't entertain this over here because it's not pleasing to God. This isn't what Jesus wants in my life. Belief will drive your behavior. And if you truly believe in Jesus and you truly have that deep-seated love and, 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 and just that, that, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, you're just solely committed to Jesus. It's going to drive something and that's where boldness comes from. Boldness comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about here in a few but boldness comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit and it's driven, it comes out in our behavior because it's a belief that's been changed with inside of us. If we believe that we're going to fail at something, we're going to approach that thing with a lot of caution, right? If there are things in your life where you are fearful about, you're afraid to take the next step on, you're going, if you're fearing failure, you're going, the behavior is going to be produced and you're going to be very cautious about your next steps. If you're not bold, if the belief, if you have this sense of rejection by whom you may going to, that you're going to possibly talk to them about Jesus or whatever, if there's this sense of rejection, if there's this sense of fear, all these things, it is produced or demonstrated in your steps towards being bold. Does that make sense? Now, if you truly believe that God has empowered you with the power of the Holy Spirit, and you, and you truly believe that you have the strength and the empowerment and everything that goes with it to go out into your world, to be a witness and to be bold, your behavior is going to replicate that. You're going to be bold just like Peter and John was here. Even when they're held accountable by some other standard, they're speaking the truth. And I love it because they asked by whose name? Who are you doing this in the name of? And Peter says, if we're talking about us healing a crippled guy, we did it in the name of Jesus. And I love how he kind of sticks the knife in and turns it one time. We're doing it in the name of Jesus, the one you crucified. I love that. By the way, the one you crucified. But they were very bold. And they were living this out. They believed in this empowerment. And, and they had this sense of outspokenness, this sense of assurance and courage and confidence, and they acted without fear. And he goes on to say, uh, in that particular verse, he says, um, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which also became the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness, there's that word. What translation do you have? You got the NIV? What's the word say? What is it? Courage. Boldness. Courage. Whatever, you know, the same thing. Now, when they saw the boldness or the courage of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were, what's the next word you got? They were astonished. They were, same word, they were astonished. And they recognized, or they, um, they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. 
But when they had just commanded them, but but when they had just commanded them to leave the council, they confessed with another, saying, "What shall we do with these men?" And then it shares a little bit more about that particular story. But I love there's some things that I want us to extract from this as it comes to boldness. Number one, and we see it within the life of Peter and John. Number one is this: when we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, and we live in conjunction with that, in submission to the Holy Spirit of God, we receive this power, we receive this courage, we receive this boldness to be the witnesses that He has called us to be. And what happens is God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. He gives ordinary, it says it right here, Peter and John. When they saw Peter and John, they, they, in their minds, they're like, wait a second, wait a second. Weren't these Peter? Wasn't he this fisherman that used to be around here? Wasn't he just some ordinary man? And they look at him and they're, and they're seeing something different. And when they speak, uh, when they speak, we're going to take this next slide. You don't have to go there just yet. Well, go ahead. <laughs> if I, he's like, I'm getting out of here, man. I've got stuff to do. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, he's bold. So, so God gives this this this. Um, uh, I'm off now. God gives this. God, he 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 gives ordinary people this extraordinary ability. And what happens is that boldness amazes the world. It says it right here. They were astonished. Wait a second. What, weren't these men just regular men? And now. They're healing people. They're healing people. How is this happening? They're just ordinary men. And, and this whole scenario is what happens when we, again, live in that sense of humility and contriteness with God and the, His Holy Spirit that He places inside of, us, inside of us. He fills us with His courage. He fills us with this sense of boldness where we go into our world. We're just ordinary people. We're just ordinary individuals. But yet, God is using us in different ways and it literally amazes the world. You see, that's what happens when you walk with God and allow God to do whatever He wants to do in and through your life. He takes timid people and He enables them to have these deep conversations that doesn't point to themselves, but points to Him to give Him glory. And when you have those types of conversations with individuals, people step back and they're amazed. There's times where you will have conversations, you will say things that you kind of step back and you're like, wow, I I don't even know where that came from. Because it's God working in and through you. And people are amazed by that. Here's the question for us all. When's the last time we've amazed anybody? When's the last time we went into our world representing Jesus Christ where people stood back and said, wait a second, didn't I know that person growing up? How are they? And they're astonished. They're amazed. When is the last time that that's happened in your life? When's the last? And I'm not browbeating here. I'm just ask, I'm just kind of bringing us down that path. When's the last time when people thought about Element Church, they thought that church is filled full of people that are doing amazing things? Element Church is doing amazing things, not for our glory, but for God's glory, for His glory. When is the last time people could speak that of our lives and speak that of our church because we make up Element Church? We are Element Churches. We go and we represent. And we're representing Jesus and giving Him His glory. You see, that's what the Holy Spirit does in and through us. That's what God wants to do in each and every one of us. This is really kind of a basic message, guys. But it's something that we often miss. Because we somehow drop our guard. We become fearful. We become 
reserved. We become cautious and all these things. And the next thing you know, we're just kind of an individual that's, that's operating in a world, in a world and, and we don't really look that much different. I'm not saying you lost your salvation and all that stuff. I'm simply saying you're walking into, into the world and when people look at you, you're really not that much different than they are. Well, I'm just, I'm just a teacher. I'm just a factory worker. I'm just this. I'm just that. I haven't been called to preach. I haven't been called to be a missionary. Yes, you have. And when God comes into your life and you have this, this, again, this deep commitment to Jesus and the Holy Spirit drives you, you're going to be bold in how you act at work. You're going to be bold in the things that you say. You're going to be bold in the things that you do. You may not engage in certain joking. And you may walk away. You may not stand there and preach at everybody, but you may just kind of smile and walk away and not be a part of that. That raises curiosity at times. That's being bold as well. There are times the ordinary things, in a sense, can become bold because you're taking a stand and you're, and you're, you're saying, this isn't what I believe. But when we participate in things that everybody else participates in, we really don't amaze anybody, do we? In fact, sometimes we amaze people in the opposite way. I've been on, I've been on some, uh, this year I was on a, a bike ride and, and we were, um, uh, stayed a few days and, and I remember this one individual wearing a church, had a, had a long sleeve shirt on with a church name on it and he was really kind of lighting it up with his language. And I remember having, not even having a conversation. I was kind of off to the side, and, and I heard this other guy talking. That, that, and some of these guys really don't, uh, you know, I would, they may be believers, but they certainly aren't participating in, um, you know, in their church and things like that. This other person that would be classified just like this other ordinary individual made a statement and said, I don't know if I'd be wearing my, uh, that church's name on my shirt and talking that way, because he's really not giving that church a fair rap. rap. I thought, wow, the world sees it. The world sees it. And they see us in that vein. And we're, when we're kind of just blending in, or we're kind of not really actively doing anything, we really just become one of we, we just become one of the world, and we're really not amazing anybody. Or if we are amazing, it could be in the negative sense. That's not what God called us to. And when we get, when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, we proclaim His name. Now, I want to share with you a couple things here. Um, this is where this comes from on this next slide. One of the things we have to understand is that spiritual boldness comes from knowing Christ. There's no way that you can be spiritually bold if you don't truly know Christ. It's not going to be birthed in you. You may be bold, but let me, let me share something with you. Spiritual boldness comes from knowing Christ. If you're bold and you don't really know Christ, they call that being obnoxious. Okay? That's, that's, that's the gift you're operating out of there. You're just kind of an obnoxious person. But when it becomes birthed in Christ, and it becomes about the advancement of Jesus and giving Him His glory and living, living this out and allowing the Holy Spirit to give you extraordinary capabilities and, and amazing the world through that. It's, it, it, it comes from knowing Christ. And, and on this next slide, this is really the, the nature of what takes place. When you spend time with Jesus... When you spend, t this is why when we talk about we need to read our Bibles. I mean, it sounds like something our mothers and grandmothers have told us since we were kids, right? You need to read the Bible. My mom, to this day, I'm 48 years old. My mom, to this day, still preaches to me and asks me, are you reading your Bible? Are you spending time in prayer? And you think, holy cow, what am I, seven? But the one, but there is something about it. 
How is it that you think that you can go into a world and be a witness when you're not even really spending time with God? When you spend time with Jesus and His Word, what happens is our faith becomes increased because we begin to see Jesus in new realms, from new perspectives as the Holy Spirit reveals things to us. And as that happens, it produces this sense of boldness within us. And we go out into our world and we're excited because we're, we're going to share, we can't not share about what we're truly excited about. And I'm not talking about being some cheesy evangelist or something where you're getting in people's face or you're standing up doing things things that drives them in the opposite direction. I'm not talking about that whatsoever. I'm talking about you are yourself, but God grabs you. God does some amazing things inside of you. He's astonishing the world, and you become bold. And the next thing that happens, there are results. People around you begin to place their faith in Jesus because they see that you're different. And they see that you're speaking with this sense of boldness. It amazes them. It astonishes them. They start going through hard times. Things happen within their marriage. Things happen within their relationships. Things happen that are catastrophic that they're walking through. They have a crisis moment. And you're there with them and you simply say, can I have a word of prayer with you? I just want to lift you up. Can I just pray with you? I don't want it to be awkward or anything, but I would love to just pray for you because you're going through a really tough time. That stuff sticks. And there's times, there's some of you sitting in here today that have experienced that because you've allowed God to do this work inside of your life and it's produced this gigantic, enormous faith in you, ginormous faith in you that's leading to this boldness and you, you, you step out and results are taking place and you've seen family members come to know Christ. You've seen co-workers come to know Christ. You've seen individuals that have been walking in the dark that's been desperate. You've seen families... Reconnect. You've seen it because God is using you in a powerful way and it's producing results. And by the way, what happens when it produces results in your life? You start spending more time with Jesus. Imagine how that works. You start spending more time with Jesus because now you're becoming amazed of what Jesus is doing in and around you. And your faith continues to become bold. It continues to become more enormous. And then the next thing you know, your faith just continues to, to mushroom and you continue to spend more time with Him. And it just repeats itself over and over and over and over again and you become like individuals that we read about through time through church history all these individuals that placed themselves into this movement to say I am here to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ I don't know how else to say it that's what we're called to we are not called to be the side where we sit on the sidelines and we don't want to get involved. We don't want to roll up the sleeves. We don't want to speak Jesus' name. We don't want, we've got this fear of being persecuted or some other thing where we take our faith and we kind of hide it. That's not what we've been called to. We've been called to boldly share Jesus. And God is going to place divine appointments in our lives to talk about Jesus. I take this as just one of my soapbox statements. I hear more people become passionate about what they like and don't like than Jesus. I don't get it. I have preferences. I get it too. I have likes. I have dislikes. I get it too. I'm human as well. We're all in this boat together, right? I get it. But when our passions become much stronger than our love for Jesus, something's off. And there's a lot of times where people have no reservation. They have no sense of self-awareness. 
They have no sense of what's taking place around them. They will become more bold about their passions than they will about Jesus. If you're one of those individuals, can I just share something with you? Could you just take that and flip it? Because when you take it and you flip it, there's some things that's going to happen. And your faith is going to become much more alive. And our church is going to become much more alive. Look what it says in Acts 20. Uh, this, is the, this, is the, um, this is the statement that they give this council. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and we've heard. That's Peter and John talking to the council. They wanted them to stop. They wanted them, hey, put an end to this. And they make this statement back to them. We can't. There's no way that we can stop. There is no way that we can stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. Maybe the reason why we don't tell things about Jesus is because truthfully we haven't really seen and we haven't really heard. You see what happens when you spend time with Jesus and you allow Him to just continue to grow you, continue to just just allow you to see how huge He is and how deep He is. And He draws us in. That's where I don't... That's where I just want to say, guys, if if you've received the the, the free gift of grace and mercy and salvation, you're just at the beginning. This is a journey. We talked about it last week. It's a marathon. We continue on this journey. And as we continue to see... It doesn't stop. You can't say, well, you know, I've grown up in the church. I really don't have... You know, I'm really kind of... What you're saying is I'm good. I'm perfect. I've arrived. No, you haven't. God wants to continue to take you on this journey to conform you more into His image, continue to give you boldness, continue to give you courage to astonish people. But the other thing is this. There are things that you can't possibly already know about Jesus. There's no way that you have it all figured out. That you've got God and you have Him all figured out. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more He begins to reveal to you how large He is. He is absolutely... Until we die, we'll still never know all about Jesus. But when we're on this journey and we commit our lives to Him and we allow Him to just come into our lives and have this sense of control, He continually invites us in deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Some of us have been following Jesus for a long time and He's still coming to you saying, i got something else I want to show you. You thought that was cool. Check this one out. That's what Jesus does. And you can't, you cannot stop telling about everything that you've seen and that you've heard. In Proverbs 28.1, in the same translation, the NLT says this, The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. I want to just share with you a couple thoughts here as I begin to wrap up, but and it kind of goes along with that whole cyclical theme, or that cyclical theme that I talked about with uh, spending time with Jesus, and then um, He fills us. And, um, and, I, and I just want to share a couple of thoughts with you. In verse eight, basically, there's six things I want to share with you very quickly, uh, and you may even want to write them down if you want. They're not really that extremely profound, but it might be something you want to have to see, to look at, to say, you know what, this is truth. Number one. It all starts with being filled with the Spirit. We talked about that. It's all done in the name of Jesus. If you're not filled with the Spirit, you're not going to become bold. You're going to become obnoxious, okay? Boldness, true boldness, comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And, and, and we believe that when, upon that moment of salvation, God gives you His gift of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. But I do believe that there are times where we need to be renewed and refreshed where we come to God and we say, you know what, God, I've been, I'm, I'm off, man. I'm off. Today I was driving down here uh, this morning and I was listening to some music and, and one of the songs talked about, it, it, it talked about being free and it talked about recognizing that the shackles that you used to live under and the bondage you used to live under. And through that song, I started, it was like I'm, I'm, I was like crying as I'm driving down here because I begin to realize once again that yes, God has delivered me from a lot of stuff. And then He also shares, He also exposes and reveals areas where you kind of revert back to things. Where you kind of have taken a step back. Where you've kind of taken a step to the side. And you begin to become chained again to something. Or you become, you become somewhat under bondage again with things. And God, through His grace and mercy, revealed to me some of those things and saying, Gail, I love you. I love you. And I'm here to forgive you. I'm here to help you. And it reminded me once again what He has done for me and what He's doing for me and where He's taking me. And it just draws us back. It drew me back to just repent and to just live in that moment and to be renewed and refreshed by the power of His Holy Spirit. You can't do anything unless you're filled with His Holy Spirit. And when He fills you with your Holy Spirit, you can't just sit to the side and you can't squelch the Holy Spirit or you're going to end up right back where you came from. That's what they call grieving the Spirit. Not doing where the Spirit leads you. Not, not following where the Spirit is wanting to take you. But we're filled with the Holy Spirit just like they were in verse 8. From that, two things happen. It, you become filled with courage and desire. And this is where you begin to share the Gospel. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You have this enormous amount of courage that you begin to just get excited about. And you have this, this desire that says, I've got, looks like them, I can't stop talking about this. I can't stop sharing this with you. I can't stop leaning into you to share with you your life is broken and Jesus wants to give you healing. Jesus wants to pull you out just like we sang at that song at the cross where Jesus pulls us out once again. And that's the message that we have for people that God's love is there wanting to, to give them a sense of healing from the brokenness that are experienced. The fourth thing is that we stay in this concept of nearness to the Spirit of God. It's like Jesus said in the Beatitudes where He said, um, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for spiritual... Blessed are those individuals that hunger and thirst for this. They're going to be filled. Guys, when you hunger and thirst for the things of God, Jesus is going to fill them and He's going to keep you next keep you near to the Spirit of Him. And then there's this sense of loyalty to God and then we have this sense of confidence with the Gospel. That's the same thing that we're talking about when I shared with you that, that cycle. But as, as the worship team comes back, I just want to close and I just want to, um, I just want to invite you into this. If you're sitting in here this morning and you say that you're a Christ follower and you say that you're part of this movement, Take a snap. Just take a second and reflect on your life. Are you, are you helping to advance the Gospel, this movement? Are you helping to move it? 
Are you filled with, are, are you, can you say that as you sit here, you're just excited, you're, you're filled with this courage and this desire because you love Jesus so much and you know that Jesus is moving you, Jesus is using you, Je- you're seeing things happen. If not, maybe today is a day where you recognize that the Spirit of God is calling out to you saying, I need to renew you. I need to give you a sense of refreshment. You're getting focused on things that, that, the wrong things. I want to give you something that's going to amaze the world. I want to take you as an ordinary person and I want, I want you to see some things that I can only do and I want you to take part and be a part of that. You see, when God asks, when God brings us into this and uses us, it's not a sense of drudgery where it says, ah, i got to be used by God. I really don't want to step out and say something. It's not that at all. What it is, guys, it's this awesome invitation to taste things that we would never taste. There is something about tasting things that are eternal. There is something about when you share something with another individual that needs to hear about Jesus. There's something that happens where it just it, it excites you. Because you see that change and it, it just excites you and you know that there's no way you could do that out of your humanness. There's no way that you could fabricate that yourself. It's only happening by the power of God living inside of you. And you begin to recognize, I'm experiencing things that humans shouldn't experience. I'm experiencing things that only God can, can create and God can make. And He invites you in. That's what He has for all of us. There's not a single person sitting in here where God is saying, oh, you're exempt, you're exempt, you're exempt. That's not the way it is. God wants us to be a part of this loving relationship with Him. And He wants us to be His witnesses. But as we go, we're tasting things that we would never taste. We're tasting things of heaven. We're tasting things of the divine. And if you're not there, the Spirit is reaching out to you. He's nudging you right now. He's calling you. He's inviting you. If you don't have a relationship with Him, He's inviting you into this awesome relationship with God Almighty. With Jesus Christ who laid His life down. The question is, how will you respond? How will you respond this morning? Will you respond and walk out of this room completely changed individual on fire for God or you will continue to walk out living in this life that's more about you than it is about him that's the question we all have to answer this morning would you stand as I just lead us into a word of prayer and prepare our hearts for um, the next thing that we can just use to respond to him father I, I, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for the message that you have for us today and in the weeks to come to become bold for you. I pray that you would challenge us like you have done this morning. I pray that you would continue to just use us. And, and I pray that you would help us to respond to your spirit this morning. I pray that people would not leave here today as they came in. I pray that we would leave here changed because we spent time with you in your presence and we responded to your call, to the leadings and promptings of your Holy Spirit that's here today. 
I pray that you would change some of our paradigms. I pray that you would change our worldviews. I pray that you would change our passions and our desires where they need to be changed for you. Father, help us to leave here just in a, in a, in a submitted, humbly submitted to you and to the movement that you've called us into. We thank you so much for allowing us to come together and have this moment. And I pray that you would just, uh, again, use it to, to, to bring you glory. And it's in the beautiful name of Jesus that we pray and we ask all these things. Amen.